Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. We are joined by a first-time guest today. Many, many years ago, I crossed paths with his work, and um, he's changed probably millions of people's lives by now with um, his work called The Miracle Morning. His name's Hal Elrod. Um, There's some conferences that he's spoken at that I've attended. We've got some mutual friends, and uh, he's located just down the road in Austin. And I thought, this is a conversation and dialogue that the good people at Good, True, and Beautiful need to hear and have access to. So uh, with that being said, Hal Elrod, welcome to the show. Hey, Ashton. First of all, I love your name. That is a cool name. And second of all, <laughs> thank you for having me, man. I, I really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. So um, glad to have you. Thanks for coming on. Um, super grateful for your generosity. When you introduce yourself and your work in the world, uh, for maybe people that haven't crossed paths with you, where do you begin? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm really long-winded, so let me try to. I'm trying to work on that. Um, the uh, so I'm you know first and foremost, I am a husband and a father. Uh, my daughter is ten, my son is seven, and in the past, I would forget to mention that because I was so focused on what I do for a living, you know. Um, and it's like, oh, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm this, I'm that. And a, a good friend of mine, um, John Broman, who founded the Front Row Dads, he yeah. reminded me that um, you know our kids aren't going to remember how many books we sold or mortgage payments we made. They're going to remember, you know, how much time and and love and energy we invested with them. So I always start there. Um, But uh, I think what, what kind of sets up uh, the work that I do when I was 20 years old, I was uh, the top salesperson for Cutco Cutlery. I sold kitchen knives, you know, in-home presentations. Uh, It's a, it's a long story how I get into that, but it ended up being uh, my career for quite a few years. But after a year and a half in the career, um, I was given a speech at one of our events and driving home that night, my car was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles per hour. That sent my car spinning into oncoming traffic where I ran into another car uh, or a car ran into me, I should say, at 70 miles an hour in my driver's side door. And instantaneously, I broke 11 bones. I began losing a lot of blood and uh, I was pulled out of the car an hour later, cut out of the car and found dead at the scene. Uh, I had bled to death. I was dead for six minutes in a coma for six days and came out of the coma six days later and was told I would never walk again. And I had a traumatic brain injury, so I still suffer from some serious brain damage. Um, Yeah, and that was the first kind of, you know, life-altering near-death experience that really um, forced me, or, or I should say gave me the opportunity to really look at my life and um, and, uh, and, and what, you know, what it was about and what my purpose was, what I wanted. And that began a journey of kind of helping other people and sharing my story. And then fast forward to 2008, um, the U S economy crash. by the way, these are what I often call my rock bottoms, which are those yeah. experiences we've all faced yeah. that, you know, that test our, our will, our faith, faith in ourselves, faith in, you know, higher power, So in 2008, the economy crashed, as everybody knows, and I I was a big part of that crash. I kind of crashed with it, and I lost over half of my income. My house was foreclosed on by the bank. Uh, My body fat percentage tripled in six months. I got really depressed, and uh, a series of events led me to try to really um, be proactive and figuring out how to turn my circumstances around. And I created this morning ritual that's now known as the Miracle Morning. It wasn't didn't have a, a cute name. <laughs> it wasn't a book idea. I just was like, how can I change my life? And I just was searching online. What are the world's most successful people do that I don't do? And I kept coming across morning routines and morning rituals. 
But I'm like, nah, no, no, I'm not a morning person. Like, well, you know, where, where's the success plan for waking up at seven or eight a.m.? Like, I don't want to get up at five, you know. And one of the articles uh, just caught my attention with the premise that how we start our day is arguably the single most determining factor in our success personally and professionally. And the reason is how we start our day sets the direction, it sets the tone, it sets the context, it sets our mindset for the rest of the day. And most of us start the day with resistance and procrastination, which is hitting the snooze button, you know, one, two, three times, and delaying getting up. But the world's most successful people across most walks of life, um, they start their day, you know, the alarm goes off and they, or they don't need an alarm and they wake up with energy and enthusiasm and they've got a plan and a purpose and a mission and they start the day really proactively. And if you start the day by putting yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional and spiritual state, then that enables you to be at your best. And then every relationship, every venture, every project, every aspect of your life is significantly positively impacted by the way that you start your day. And so I started doing this morning ritual every single day. And within two months, I more than doubled my income. I went for, and then by the way, that's in a declining economy, which I think is now as relevant as it was back then. Like we are in the next recession, right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's coming or yeah. it's here, right? And, and for me, I realized that, you know, where most people go, well, I'm screwed because of the economy. I went, how about I create my own economy? Like how about in the midst of the declining economy, I get better I gain more knowledge. I learn things that I can implement to increase my income, even if the econ economy declines. And within the two months, I doubled my income. I went from being in the worst shape of my life physically to training for a, an ultra marathon, which I, I had never run before. And my depression went away. And I went to my wife and I said, sweetheart, this morning ritual, like we just we, we have we are earning the most income we've ever earned before. Like, you know, two months ago, I was depressed and like ready to give up. And I said, it feels like a miracle. And she goes, it's your miracle morning. <laughs> I go, I love that. Yeah. I go, it's my miracle morning. I love it. So I started writing my schedule every day, miracle morning, miracle morning. And, you know, to kind of wrap this, this part of the story up, I just, I, I started teaching my coaching clients. I, I was a coach back then. And I started teaching my coaching clients this miracle morning. And almost all of them said the same thing that probably a lot of your listeners might be thinking, which is like, I'm not a morning person now. Like, I don't want to try, you know? And uh, I had a little influence because I was their coach. I'm like, come on, you got to give it a try. And almost every, it was literally every client I had except for one came back with on their next call. And they're like, oh my gosh, everything you taught me worked. Uh, I'm no longer hitting the snooze button. I'm waking up like with energy and enthusiasm. And they were getting results. Like my, my sales are higher than they've ever been before. I started reading more i'm exercising like and that's when the light bulb went off and i went wait a minute if this miracle morning thing changed my life and i wasn't a morning person and it's changing their lives and they weren't morning people like i have a responsibility to share this and that's when i decided to you know to write a book about it and you fast forward 12 years later and now you know the the book has sold over 2 million copies and that's word of mouth like i don't i'm not some marketer or anything like it literally is just when i was in the hospital in fact three years ago fighting cancer. I was in the hospital for a year fighting cancer. I didn't do any interviews. I didn't do any promotion. I didn't have Facebook. I had nothing going on. And that year we sold more books than any year before. And it's strictly because the miracle morning itself is such, it, it creates such an impact for people in their lives that they start telling all their friends about it. Like it was literally a hundred percent just word of mouth. And so now that's my mission is just to 
elevate the consciousness of humanity uh, one morning at a time, one person at a time. And that's why I'm so grateful that you, you know, that you give me this chance to share this with your listeners. Beautiful. Um, when, when did you become curious into self-development? I know you're a student of Jim Rohn. I hear you, I've heard you quote him a lot. Um, surely there was some of this stirring in you before your car accident, but like when, or, or was it after that when you kind of had the aha of like, if this thing's going to be sustainable and I can consistently do it, I, I something's got to change within me. I think you you quoted Jim Rohn a lot, and I forget the quote you always say. Um, yeah, yeah, the, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the quote. Uh, so I'll share the quote, and then just so since you mentioned that, and I'll go, I'll tell you answer your question here, which is the quote is: "Your level of success will really exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become." And that's actually the quote in 2008 that inspired me to Miracle Morning because I went, wait a minute, my level of personal development is is low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, I, you know, and, and the way I equate about it on a scale of one to ten, if we're measuring success that we want in our lives, and I don't mean just financial or professional success. I mean the success of your marriage or you know, your energy level. Like on a scale of one to ten, we just want level ten in every in every area. And I realized that my level of personal development, which I think is, I literally think this is the disconnect for the majority of our society, is every single person wants a level 10 life, if you will. Um, but if we really get honest about our level of personal development, which I, I just, I'm, I just to define personal development, to me, that's just defining your level of like every aspect, your physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, intellectual capacities, right? And so um, mine was at like a two or three, and that was the disconnect is our level of success parallels our level of personal development. So as we grow ourselves and we get better and we learn, we grow, we gain new knowledge, develop new skills, acquire new habits, as we get better, our level of success mirrors our level of personal development. So the, to, to circle back and answer the question, when did I get into this? Um, it was actually, I was 19 years old. And uh, as I mentioned, I got I got hired uh, to sell Cutco, and I was selling Cutco cutlery. Well, my the guy that hired me, um, who ran the office in Fresno, California, where I lived, um, his name is Jesse Levine, and Jesse was the top manager in the entire company, um, and, and he was young; he was 23 years old, and uh, he broke every record the company had set. And uh, he is the one that introduced me to. The, the term personal growth and personal development, self-help, all of those kind of you know synonyms, if you will. Um, and uh, and that's actually that's so that's when I started, like and, and just the concept of positive thinking. Like hmm. I had never heard that before. And it was funny. I remember in my training, he talked about how the power of positive thinking and how positive thinking doesn't solve all your problems, but it helps you to maintain the optimal mental and emotional state so that you can solve all of your problems. And, um, and it was funny. I remember like I went home and I'm like, I still live with my parents at the time. And uh, I'm like, my parents are so negative. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm, I'm talking to my friends on the phone and they're complaining about everything. I'm like, my friends are so, ne-. I'm like, everybody's so <laughs> negative. you know. And so I'm like, I'm going to try this on. And so, yeah, when I was 19, I started applying personal development. Um, but still, you know, definitely not in the morning. I mean, it was like, you know, whenever at night, usually when I was staying up late, but, um, but that's where, I saw my success in, in, in my career and, in, in, you know, in sales, um, I started to see as I got better, I learned 
you know, more, and I, I, I proved myself, I had more abilities that I was gaining and developing that I could apply to anything that I applied myself to. Right on, right on. So um, I wanted to chat through really the essence of the book, which is these six points, um, or is it seven? One, two, three, four, five, six. You call them, li- <laughs> you call them lifesavers, um, yeah. and uh, it's an acronym, and it really is um, what you have found that has created um, all of this momentum, not only in your life, but in other people's lives. I am, I'm fresh to it. I'm, uh, I, I realize that some of these I've done quite often, but some of them I haven't. Um, where do you begin when talking about these lifesavers? I'd love to just kind of riff on these for a bit and introduce them uh, to our yeah. listeners. Yeah, yeah. And again, this goes back, I owe this to my wife. My, I, I actually realized uh, about, probably about a year ago, I was journaling, and I was like, my wife is my muse. Like she's my muse. Like she, she named the miracle morning. Um, it was her idea to come up with an acronym so people could remember these six practices, which is where the life savers came from. And the acronym is savers, S A V E R S, uh, silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I'll, I'll dive into those a little bit here. Um, but the way this all came about is when I heard that Jim Rohn quote, it was 2008, right? The economy had crashed. I was depressed. And I wasn't telling anybody. I think that's pretty common when people are depressed. I mean, probably people handle it in different ways. But, like, I was a success coach, so it was an identity crisis. I'm like, dude, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> Who in the hell am I to coach people, you know? And uh, and I didn't, so I didn't tell anybody. I think I was kind of embarrassed that I was failing and that I couldn't figure it out. And um, my wife finally, one day, she goes, sweetheart, I, I hate seeing you like this. Like, you, you know, you used to be the most positive person I know, and now you're, like, depressed and, you know, and, and, and you know, you, you seem hopeless. And she said, why don't you call your friend John, uh, my, my good friend, John Berghoff? She said, you know, you always say he's one of the smartest people you know. Why don't you call him and, and ask for advice? Like, he loves you. He's not going to judge you because you're struggling. Like, he's going to help you, right? And uh, I knew, I was like, yeah, you're right. I should have called him six months ago, but better late than never. So I called John, and he is the one that encouraged me to go on a run to listen to this Jim Rohn audio. And I was like, dude, I need business advice. Like I'm financially struggling. I don't need to go for a run and listen to a, you know, motivational tape or whatever. And, um, and when I heard that quote from Jim Rohn, and I'll say it one more time, your level of success will rarely exceed your level of personal development because success is something you attract by the person you become. And in that moment, realizing uh, my level of personal development is, 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 is really mediocre. I ran home and I Googled, I Googled just a bunch of different for every phrase I could think of, like best personal development practices. What do CEOs do for personal development? You know, uh, what, what, what do I just, just what do Olympians do? Like what, what do, what do the world's most successful people do for their personal development? And uh, finding a list of six practices as I'm Googling, I came across this article of fortune 500 CEOs who swear by meditation like meditation like i wouldn't have thought of that as you know something to be successful like yeah if you want to be more spiritual but not i would i never equated it to success but all these ceos were talking about how that's what enabled them to every morning uh get lower their stress gain clarity put themselves in a peak mental state come with their best ideas so i'm like well i got to try meditation i was watching an interview then uh on youtube of will smith on the ellen DeGeneres show and she asked him how he was able to become the, one of the most successful actors in Hollywood. And he said, affirmations, I use written affirmations. He goes, not, not the way they're 
not the goofy, like, I'm amazing, I'm awesome. He said, but I actually used affirmations that were simply written statements that were what I, what I wanted in my life and what I needed to do to, to create that and who I needed to become. He goes, and I just read that every day, and I just more and more and more conditioned my mindset, and I began living in alignment with what I was affirming. So I was like, well, I guess I got to try affirmations. So I had, I had these six practices, and I went. I was trying to figure out, well, what, what's, we, I can't do all of them. Like, what's the best one? Or maybe, like, the top two that I could do, you know, figure and in, squeeze into my day. And as I'm going back and forth between these articles, I, I, none was more convincing than the other. It just depended on who you asked. You know, one, you know, highly successful person would say it was affirmations. One would say it was visualization. You know, the world's top athletes all score by visualization, almost all of them. Um, you know, they visualize themselves performing in a peak state with the peak performance before they actually go into the game, right, if you will. And I realized that, you know, executives would use this to go into the game of life, right, to, to visualize themselves performing at their best or interacting with their, you know, their employees or, or, or you know, a salesperson engaging in a, in a sales meeting at a, at a, in a perfect, flawless performance, if you will. And so I'm trying to figure out which is the best one. And that's I almost threw in the towel because I was like, None of these is the best one. And I got kind of discouraged, like, ah, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. I was like kind of overwhelming. And then the epiphany is I went, wait a minute. What if I did all of these? <laughs> what if I woke up tomorrow an hour earlier and like, I cringed at the I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to wake up. An hour. But I just was like, I don't know. That seems like the best time. Start your day with these practices, right? Put yourself in a peak state first and then go crush your day. So, I go, what if I woke up an hour earlier and I did all six of these practices and I just did 10 minutes each? I go, that would be like the ultimate morning ritual. These are the six most timeless, proven, and even scientifically proven personal development practices in the history of humanity that have been sworn by and attributed to the success of countless individuals for, you know, not just decades, I mean, literally centuries, right? And so uh, that night, I just uh, I opened up six windows on my browser. How do you how to do affirmations? How to meditate? How how to journal? Right? Like I, just, I googled all these these six practices, and I went to bed that night. And then here was the cool part. Keep in mind that I was at my rock bottom. Like hmm. I was fifty to two thousand dollars in credit card debt. My house was being foreclosed on by the bank. I was tripled my body fat percentage from you know a few months prior. Like I was I was really at a low point. And that night I went to bed. Normally I went to bed depressed, like, oh, my gosh, I got to wake up tomorrow and face all of my problems again. And for the first time in six months, I went to bed like a kid on Christmas Eve where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait to wake up and try this. Hmm. And I woke up the next morning, didn't hit the snooze button, jumped out of bed like, like a kid on Christmas, ran in the living room, opened my laptop, and went through these six practices. And first was I meditated. And I didn't know how to meditate. So, like, I, I, I was terrible at all six, right? I'm like, okay, meditation, um, you know, and I'm, like, trying to quiet my mind, and my mind's racing, and I'm, I'm frustrated with myself. But I'm like, okay, even though I sucked at it, that, like, I still feel a little bit calm and clear. Then my affirmations, right? And they felt kind of goofy. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just reading out affirmations off the internet. Like, I am successful. I am amazing. I am capable. And it was kind of cheesy, but it still felt better to say those than the things I was saying to myself, which is, like, I suck. I'm failing. I'm in debt. What am I going to do? 
nothing's working, right? You know, like you think about even cheesy affirmations I found were much more effective than the negative thinking that was plaguing my mind. And then I visualized and then I exercised for 10 minutes, got my heart rate up, felt good, you know, exercise releases endorphins. I, I read, you know, a few pages out of a book for 10 minutes. I learned a few things that I got excited about. And then I journaled what I was grateful for. I journaled what the most important things I were going to do that day. And, and those are the six practices. And, um, and again, an hour, an hour went by. And even though my outer world was still a mess, essentially Ashton inside, I was like, I feel calm. I feel clear. I feel focused. I am actually feeling confident and I'm feeling optimistic and hopeful that if I do this every day and I get better and better and better at it, it's only a matter of time before I become the person the level 10, if you will, person that I need to be to create and sustain the level 10 success that I want in my life. And I thought it would be, you know, like six to 12 months of kind of this sustained effort. And as I mentioned, it was less than two months that I more than doubled my income, exceeded where it had ever been before. I was, I was so fired up and motivated. I'm like, dude, I, how can I challenge myself physically? Like, I'm going to run a marathon. And then I decided, no, I'm going to run a double marathon. And I never <laughs> run more than a mile. And, you know, that's how it became the Miracle Morning, talking to my wife. And then I, I just, for anybody that's listening, and just to, to give you, to make this easy to remember, one day I was writing the book, right? It's probably six months later, I was writing the book. And I was frustrated trying to figure out how I was going to organize these six practices in a way that was memorable and that flowed and that people could, you know, could easily implement. And I, and it's funny, I, I literally could picture, I was walking out of my office and my, my wife was walking down the hall and I said, she goes, Hey, sweetie, how's it going? I'm like, I'm frustrated. She said, why? I said, I've got these six practices, but I didn't, you know, they're not new. I didn't these. these are timeless. I said, and they're, they're all mix and match and kind of hodgepodge. Like there's, I can't figure out how to make it so they're memorable. So they're organized. And she goes, why don't you get a thesaurus and see if you can find synonyms, you know, find words to swap out the current word. And she goes, like, maybe meditation could become silence. And I was like, I love it. I'm like, I'm going to go try that. So, so meditation became silence and journaling became scribing. And so I'm going to go through these real quick for everybody. The savers, silence, affirmations visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And now, you know, it's easy. You can just run through them in your head and go, okay, I'll do my silence for five or 10 minutes. I'll do my affirmations for five or 10 minutes. And, and to be clear, because this is usually a question that comes up, you don't have to do them in the order S-A-V-E-R-S. You can do whatever order you want. Totally, there's a whole chapter in the Miracle Morning book on how to customize your savers both in the order, in the duration, so that it helps you do what fits you and it helps you achieve your goals, you know? And so some people, for example, they go, man, if I meditate first thing in the morning, I fall asleep. They're like, I got to exercise first, right? So they exercise first, they get their heart rate up, they get their energy up, and then they go into the other, you know, savers. So you can play with it and do them in whatever order works for you. And a lot of people do a 30-minute miracle morning or a 60-minute miracle morning. And there's even a chapter in the book called The Six-Minute Miracle Morning, which is on the days when you're busy, you don't have time to do a full 30 or 60 minutes. You can just do one minute for each of the savers. And in those six minutes, you've done a minute of meditation, 60 seconds of affirmation, 60 seconds of journaling, exercise, reading, right? 
and and even though it's only six minutes, like the benefit that you get for those six minutes is is really extraordinary. Hmm. So yeah, it's, so those are the savers, and I'm happy to dive into any one if you want me to, you know, kind of give some advanced tra- strategies or where people can get started uh, in practicing any of those. So um, I think the one I'm most curious about is visualization. Um, and I know you, in the book, you kind of jumped around the idea of like vision boards, uh, some people that have done things like that for you, what does this look like for you? I'd love to hear your personal experience with, um, what you're coming at when you talk about visual visualizations. Yeah. And vision boards, um, you know, I don't, I don't even use a vision board anymore. Uh, I had them for a while cause it was kind of popular. And but then I realized I, I don't even really look at it. <laughs> and I think there is value, you know, if you look at it, the point of a vision board is you see the end result that you want. And when you see it enough, it creates that desire that, that typically pulls you toward it, right? It gets you to take action and move toward what you're visualizing. However, I believe that visualizing the end result your ideal outcome, you know, your goals, your dreams, whatever you want to call them, is the least important and the least effective aspect of visualization. That it's the one that all the self-help gurus teach you and tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's what I mean by that. If all you do is visualize the end result, you actually, and there's studies that have shown this, and I've experienced it, you know, firsthand, that you actually end up it can be counterproductive because you kind of trick your subconscious into thinking that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you you, you tend to diminish your drive to make it happen because you trick yourself into thinking it's as good as done. And I'll give you an example. Um, When I was visual, when I was training for the ultra marathon that I ran, I would visualize the end result. I would see myself crossing the finish line. And what that did, the benefit of that, because there is a benefit, the benefit is it got me excited and, what seemed like an impossibility. I had never run more than a mile and I was supposed to run 52 consecutive miles. I started to believe it. I'm like, dude, I've seen it so many times that I actually, I think I can do this. I I believe it. Right. But the problem was I started to realize, man, I I know it's going to happen. I'm going to run that marathon. And then I felt, I I felt less compelled to train for it Hmm. because I thought it was just pretty much a foregone conclusion, which no, it's not. Right. Um, Good luck showing up on race day when you haven't trained it adequately, right? So here's what I realized is that the most important aspect of visualization is visualizing yourself doing the thing that you need to do that will get you to that end result. So I started visualizing. um, So I would spend literally 60 seconds visualizing crossing the finish line. I just, just enough to keep me reminded of, yeah, that's what I'm working for. That's important. Right. Um, But I'd spend, you know, three, four or five minutes visualizing myself. I would always and it's like the way I say visualizing, it's literally like seeing a picture, a movie in your mind. What I would do is I would see the alarm on my phone go off at 7 a.m. So I'd have my eyes closed. I'd see the alarm on my phone go off at 7 a.m., which is when I have the timer set to go run. And then I would visualize myself, get off my couch, which is where I did my miracle morning at my coffee table in in the living room. I visualize myself getting up walking into my bedroom, going into my closet and then putting on my running clothes and my running shoes. And then I'd visualize myself walking back through my bedroom, out through my living room, out the front door. And I'd visualize myself open the front door. I mean, literally vision, I mean like a vivid, like it was a movie. And I was a vid- you know, seeing through a video camera, visualizing the whole scene. And then I would visualize myself walk out the front door and I'd visualize myself smiling 
And then this is the most important part. I would visualize myself, and I would actually do this throughout the whole thing, but it's visualizing myself feeling the, the optimum emotion that would make that activity that I hated hmm. running that it would make it appealing, compelling. So I'd visualize myself smiling as I left the front door, and I'd visualize myself excited to go for a run. I'd even say things in my head like, I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run two miles today. It's going to be awesome. It's going to feel great. I'm going to be energized. I'm going to be in better shape. It's going to make the marathon that much easier. And so here's, what the, here's the power of that. And by the way, you can apply visualizing this through whatever it does. It's universal. Whatever you need to do today to get yourself moving in the direction, making progress toward your ideal outcome, that is the power of visualization. Create the optimum emotional state that will make it compelling to do so. Because most of the things that we need to do, we don't want to do, right? Yeah. If we did, yeah. we would all be millionaires and in the best shape of our lives, right? So like, if you're trying to lose weight, you should visualize yourself eating the right foods, not eating the wrong food, you know, saying no to the wrong foods, right? That sort of, I mean, like, and at going to the gym, whatever you need to do to achieve that outcome, see yourself doing it in a peak emotional state. And so what would happen is when the alarm went off at 7 a.m., it, it, was, it was automatic. I had programmed my subconscious mind, and it took over. I would turn off the alarm. I'd get up. I'd walk into my bedroom, go into my closet, get dressed in my running clothes, walk back out through the front door. When I opened the front door, Ashton, can you guess what would happen when I actually opened the front door? You'd smile. I, every time <laughs> it like clockwork and it eventually got to where I didn't even need to visualize. Yeah. Uh, like I just, it, I, I programmed my subconscious mind to mm. do it. Right. And all of a sudden I loved running, which mm. is crazy. You know, and I use that example when I talk about waking up early, if someone's like, I'm not a morning person that I believe that that's a limiting belief. Mm. Like I used to think I'm not a runner because I hated running and I always, kept the story going that I hate running. And if you keep the story going that I'm not a morning person, well, then of course you're not a morning person. It wasn't until I started running and actually telling myself it was enjoyable and, and reprogramming that negative thought I had toward running, that negative you know, experience, and I actually became a runner. Hmm. And the same thing with, I, I, I don't like waking up early. Well, then of course you're not a morning person. But when I changed the conversation in my head, yeah. I used affirmations to do that, and I used visualization to do that, then all of a sudden, I actually loved waking up early. And now, you know, and it only took a few weeks. Like, now, I, I could not imagine not waking up early. If I ever don't wake up early, like, I just wasted such valuable time in the morning. Yeah. Man, that's super helpful. Just getting to the thing underneath the thing with visualization that, like, at its core, what you're getting at is the proper emotional state that will get you into the place where you will do the proper action that will eventually lead you to whatever it is that you're trying to visualize. Um, yeah. yeah. Real helpful. Um, you talked in the book about uh, like the state, the, the narrative in your head before you go to bed. And you said that it wasn't this, you got to have six, seven, eight hours. It was actually the story that you told yourself um, and I, I may be coming at this the wrong way, but I, I remember reading like, if you told yourself you were going to feel miserable and be so tired the next morning because you didn't get enough sleep, that happened. But if you told yourself, oh, well, I'm up a little bit later tonight, but I'm still going to get up, do my thing, do my miracle morning, then you woke up and you were still fresh. Talk to me about that because I thought that was a brilliant insight. 
Yeah. Think of it this way. Your first thought in the morning is almost always whatever your last thought was before you went to sleep. Yeah. So if people go to bed fearful and stressed out, they wake up fearful and stressed out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about the time when I was excited to wake up in the morning and for me, it was Christmas. There was no other time than, and if, you know, if you grew up celebrating Christmas and maybe to this day, you know, there is no time you're more excited to wake up than Christmas as a kid. Now, if you didn't celebrate Christmas, you know, if that was, you know, for whatever reason, think about uh, first day of school when you were a kid, you couldn't wait to go back to go back into your friends or, you know, or, or a vacation where you had to catch an early flight. You've been anticipating this for a long time. Well, when you're, if you go to bed excited to wake up about whatever you're doing the next day, then the first thought in the morning is, you know, alarm goes off, eyes open, you go, oh, it's Christmas or oh, vacation or, you know, whatever, right? Or I'm getting married today, you know? And on those days, in fact, Ashton, I'll ask you this, and it's, I guess it's kind of a rhetorical question, but just let's play here for a second. Um, on those days when you go to bed anticipating something in the morning you're excited to wake up for, is it hard to wake up in the morning? Shoot out of bed. No, you jump out of bed, right? You can, yeah. And even if you get terrible sleep because you, you're tossing and turning because you can't sleep because you're so excited, right? Even if you have poor sleep, you wake up with so yeah. much energy. Yeah. And, it, and that was a theory that I had that I started to study. I'm like, wait a minute. Why wouldn't we create that experience every single day of our lives? Why would we leave that up to holidays and vacations? Like, no, no, no. Why don't we intentionally create that? And so I created these bedtime affirmations where I wrote down what I was, I just basically, and, and, and by the way, these are actually, you can download the bedtime affirmations at, um, what's the website? TMMbook.com. It's like the miracle morning, TMMbook.com. I actually put my personal affirmations. There's a PDF. You can download these, but I, I, and I'm going off memory. I haven't read them in a long time because they're just part of me. I don't need them anymore, but I read them for probably five years or something, you know, almost every night. And uh, the affirmations essentially said that, you know, tonight I'm going to sleep. I'm going to get peaceful, restful sleep. I'm going to fall asleep quickly, sleep like a baby. I'm getting blank hours of sleep because, and this is, I think, part of what you're referring to, um, is that we have this limiting belief that, or, or we have this paradigm that says, I need blank hours of sleep. And most people think I need, you know, and it can be different for everybody, but a lot of people, it's eight hours, right? Because yeah, yeah. that's what they've read uh, because there was research published decades ago. And I, I can't quote it anymore. I can't remember the name of who, where this was, but it was quoted decades ago. And then it got repeated over and over. And it just became part of our narrative. Like, yep, eight hours, right? So you need. Um, but a lot of the world's most successful, productive people slept less than that, slept six or seven hours or five hours sometimes, right? And so um, I believe now, there is different science, so I am not telling you that there is, there is a right or a wrong here. I believe you have to try this for yourself. But my own experiment was, well, what if I need as many hours of sleep as I tell myself I need? And obviously, you could, well, you, know, you don't need to argue the extreme of like, oh, so what, you're going to go one hour a night? No, right? But here's the point. If you tell yourself, if you have a belief that says, I need eight hours of sleep to function, and you only get six hours one night because you were out late, you got to get up early, whatever – then typically you go to bed thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to be exhausted in the morning. I'm only getting six hours of sleep and I need eight. Well, then your first thought in the morning is, oh God, here we go. Alarm's off. I only slept six hours. I'm exhausted. And I believe so much in the mind-body connection, which a lot of science backs up, right? That 
our body, we have 40 trillion cells that do what we tell them to, hmm. right? That's why I believe that I healed myself of cancer largely because I, there was no other option for me. I told my body, hey, we're going to beat this cancer, even though there's only, a, I was given a 10 to 30% chance of surviving. And the doctor said I would never walk again. I said, well, that's your opinion. That's your diagnosis. But I am going to walk again. And three weeks later, I took my first step and the doctors couldn't explain it. Well, if I could do those, I'm like, I, I bet I could get by off of six or seven hours of sleep, you know? <laughs> so I started experimenting and I actually did this for weeks. I, I did one week where I slept eight hours a night and I told myself I was going to feel great and I felt great every morning. And then I tried getting eight hours of sleep. So the sleep didn't change, but I went to bed saying, I'm going to be exhausted in the morning. Uh, eight hours of sleep is not enough for me. I, and, and every morning I woke up and whatever I thought before bed was the same thought in the morning. So all of that, I think there's a lot of implications to this lesson, but specific to you going to bed before every night before bed, the first key in beating the snooze button is to set your intention yeah. and, and do it in writing, right? Have an affirmation that you can read where you say, I'm getting blank hours of sleep. And one night it might be eight, one night it might be five, one night it might be seven, right? But, but you decide no matter how many hours of sleep you're getting that night, it is the optimum amount of sleep. Your body is a miraculous organism and you are capable of rejuvenating and being rested and feeling energized the next day on whatever hours of sleep you're getting that night. And I've applied this with everything from four hours to eight hours and everything in between, you know, and it universally works. Yeah. Yeah. What we focus on expands. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, before we go, um, I know that um, uh, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast this one question uh, and love to hear your answer. What advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot, but uh, if, I, if I were to pick one, it would be this. You know, I think all of us, my, when I was younger, I always, I never felt like I was enough. Not only me as a, as a person, but I never felt like I was far enough along or moving as fast as I should be. I always mm. compared myself to other people. And I went, man, look how successful they are. Look at how much further ahead they are than I am. Oh, they're even younger than me. And there's more. So, oh, my God. Right. And I lived in this constant state of never feeling like I was enough, always wishing I was further ahead than I am. And basically never living my life because mm. I was always focused on pursuing a future that I felt was better than the present. Mm. And the problem with that is it's per a perpetual mindset that never ends. And when you get to the next level that you've been working towards, if you don't change that mindset, then the problem is you're never satisfied. You're never fulfilled. You're never happy. And then you die. And so the advice, this is the kind of sets the context up for the advice, but the advice is that wherever whatever it is that you're working for right now, whatever your vision is for your future, enjoy the moment, be at peace with where you are. Because when you finally get to the point in your life that you've been working so hard for, for so long, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Hmm. Hindsight's 2020. As they say, you look back and you go, Oh, it was supposed to take me this long. I was supposed to go through everything that I went through because all of those experiences were part of shaping me into the person that I needed to be to create the point that I'm at right now. And so I think that lesson, you know, is to enjoy now, be at peace mm -hmm. with where you are now and enjoy every moment, live life like that. 
Life is to be lived. It's not to pursue something different. Yeah, pursue. That's great. But enjoy where you are. Be happy with where you are. Love yourself. Love every moment of your life while you wake up every day and you take meaningful, measurable action that moves you in the direction of your ideal future. Well said. Well said. Um, If that rang true with you guys, be sure to wash that down with some Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Um, Yeah, there you go. I think... uh, you are coming at the same conversation there. So, um, well, man, Hal, I hope you and I can cross paths one day. Love your energy. Love your work that you put into the world. Super grateful. I know you're a busy guy. Super grateful that you came on and shared your wisdom with us. I hope our um, listeners here will take on uh, the Miracle Morning and uh, follow you and what you're doing. Before we go, the best place for us to send our listeners to check out you and your work in the world miraclemorning.com that is the hub you can join the miracle morning community which is made of over 150,000 people from around the world um you can find all my books there so yeah miraclemorning.com is the best place right on man well hey uh you got an open door anytime here at good true and beautiful podcast so if you want to come on again just holler at us and we'll make it happen thanks so much for joining us i appreciate you ashton thank you so much for everybody listening